Hello, church. My name is Eli, and we will now be reading today's passage from John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Please follow along in your own Bible on your screen. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the reading of God's word. Well, I have uh, the great opportunity to introduce to us our guest speaker for today. Uh, we have Ruth Nazanin, who comes from Westgate Church down in San Jose. Uh, she grew up in Los Angeles. That's why she also cheered for the Lakers, right? Uh, she moved up to the Silicon Valley about six years ago, and she has a great heart for ministry in the Bay Area. She is currently the Next Steps Director at Westgate Church, and she is here with her fiancé, Adam. And uh, yeah, we're so lucky to have her. So let's give her a round of applause as she enters. Good morning. Um, yeah, I am an LA native, so I will always bandwagon, even though, you know, Lakers, uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, there will be prayer afterwards just to prep for the game. Um, yeah, True North Church, it is such a privilege to be able to be with you all this morning. I have been counting down the months, the weeks, the days. I got to meet Eugene um, back in October at a conference in Portland, and it was just so exciting to hear what God is doing, not only in Palo Alto, but especially in and through uh, True North. So it has really been um, just an exciting time preparing be with you all this morning. Um, something about me is that I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew up in a pastor's household. My dad was a pastor, and um, my mom as well. They just were partners in ministry together. Um, so I have a huge heart for local church ministry. Um, it made a deep impact on me, and it still continues to do so. So uh, just growing up and going to a big church is what I called it, if you were born and raised in church or you know that language. So, And I'm still new to it, so every time I I teach at big church. There is the nerves, there is the excitement, and just the utmost humility to be able to share God's word that we know already. It's just a reminder, it's an encouragement every time we open scripture. But during this season, I know um, it was mentioned, we just celebrated Easter last week. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Lent season, maybe you've heard about it, but it's a tradition that's been practiced for forever. And uh, one of my mentors introduced me to the Lenten fasting leading up to Good Friday and Easter a couple years ago. And I wanted to partake in it. And so practically what that meant for me is fast from my camera. So I literally like my fiance always bugs me about it. Like, why are you putting a tape on your camera? And I was like, I got to just be in the moment, not take any photos. So I fast my camera and as always, you know, uh, fast from social media. And I try to spend that time, those 40 days to be with Jesus, 
to like try to get myself to refocus and be replenished by the spirit what led him to the cross and what ultimately led what ultimately led him to rising from the dead on Easter Sunday and especially this year for me, Lent was special um, in a way that I would have never expected it to be, right? You walk into something not knowing what will come out of it, and God does what he does. He just surprises you. Um, and so I got to think about what trust and surrender looks like. And I realized that it's, it's somewhat of a shadow for many of us. Either it's a big shadow or it's a little one. We don't even think of it. But ever since we're born into this world, there's this subconscious thing we do, which is to trust. Sometimes it's intentional. Like we'll sit in conversations and we'll talk about how it's hard for us to let go and let people in. And maybe you can relate to that. But we do it all the time in our family dynamics, at home with our parents, our kids, our spouses, at work with our bosses and coworkers, right? We let people in or we just kind of push them away with new friendships or lifelong friendships. It's a thing that we do all the time, and we also do it with God. And like I mentioned, trust, it's a weird thing. It's either a process or maybe it's a bad cycle that we find ourselves in and through, but it's a part of the human experience, and we see it in scriptures. I know that recently you guys wrapped up a series where you examined um, Old Testament figures, redemptive stories of God calling out men and women like King David and Moses and others for them to trust God and bring them and their community into a space where they just surrender to him. And we see it in the New Testament with Jesus and his disciples. They spent time with him for years as they journeyed with him, as they would go into different towns and have different encounters with people to trust and see like, whoa, this is Jesus. This is the son of God in front of us. And to be able to surrender all that they knew or all that they didn't know to him. So it's this process that we see in and through the scriptures as well. Like I mentioned, I'm a pastor's kid, so anytime there was something that came around that was like on the Christian calendar, whether it was Easter or Good Friday or Christmas or all the things in between, my mom would just remind me like, hey, it's Good Friday, we're going to go to church, or hey, it's Easter. But she's also the one to like remind me of the things like, hey, it's a week after Easter, remember Thomas doubted Jesus? And I'm like okay, great, you know, so it's like, okay, what are we going to do with this? And so I began to meditate on the scripture. So traditionally, yes, today is the day that is remembered as the day that Jesus manifested himself and his presence was among his disciples. And so I want to reread that scripture that was so lovely um, that when it was read earlier, but I just want to remind us of the scripture that we'll be in today. John chapter 20. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. A little dramatic, but I relate. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My God, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have not seen me, or because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
I want us to consider Thomas. And maybe you've heard this story a million times, and this is going to be the millionth and one time you hear it again. In close proximity, Thomas spent time with Jesus. He had seen him at work, and he trusted. However, in this moment, Thomas needed to do something about his trust. I don't know about you, but when I grew up hearing this story, there was always this kind of like semi-negative connotation when I heard about doubting Thomas. Like, oh my gosh, how could he even doubt Jesus? He spent time with him. How dare he? But what I admire about Thomas is the fact that he doubted. And he was a little dramatic about it. He's like, I will never believe. Well, you just spent time with Jesus. Like, how could you go from I believe to never? But he did something about his trust issue. I mean, a friend that he held so dear, his God, his Savior, died. So how could it be true that Jesus rose from the dead? I want to see it. So he does something about his trust. And I want to pause here and just maybe address some tension that maybe you're like me. When, you, when the words trust and surrender come up, you're like, Ruth, you're a guest speaker. You don't even know my story. Don't start talking about trust issues. I get it. And I don't know your story. And you don't know mine. But if you're anything like me, sometimes when the conversation of trust comes up, all those painful experiences or maybe that one painful experience from the past comes creeping up like that shadow that I talked about earlier. And so I want to just acknowledge that tension and just say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you were mistreated. Again, I don't know your story, but I understand the pain because I've, I've had that. I do carry it sometimes. We're human. I get it that to trust and to surrender, especially nowadays, it's like it's, it's, it's valuable. And we're, we take care. We, we, we protect our trust. We protect who we give it on to in hopes that it would be received and given back with honor and with respect. And so maybe you find yourself in this destructive cycle of trust. And maybe you were mistreated and I just want to pause and, and really do acknowledge you and that pain. And I'm just, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened. That, yeah, it, it, it does feel like a cycle. It does feel like you can't let people in. However, that is not what Jesus is doing here with his friend Thomas. That's not God's agenda with you and I. To trust and surrender is one thing, but then to do it again and again, especially with God, it's not this unhealthy, toxic cycle that leaves you with empty promises. What it is, it's a continual invitation from God, our Heavenly Father, to show you and I that he is for us. It's for him to display his grand, comforting love for you today, tomorrow, and as you journey on with him. God's invitation is like a father. His sons and daughters, he gives this invitation freely. It's not with a hidden agenda to take advantage of your trust. It's not an agenda to take advantage of your painful brokenness or, or your, your story that, that, has, that you've carried through in and through the highs and lows of your life. His love, it breaks through fear. I don't know about you, but I'm someone that has like, 30 plans if plan A doesn't work. So I like plan A, but through Z. So naturally, I tend to, if I'm not focused on God, if I'm not focused on his love for me, I'm not focused 
on the fact that he is for me, I get caught up in my fear. Maybe for you, it's guilt. Maybe for you, it's shame. Maybe it's an insecurity that you have held onto, and it's kind of created like this block between you and God. But even in that, in order for us to stand firm on the songs that we're singing, standing firm on his faithfulness, standing firm on his goodness, there's this invitation for us to extend our hand back to God. Just like it was with Jesus and Thomas. For Jesus to extend that invitation to his friend, it was for Thomas to draw near to Jesus with his trust issues, with his disbelief. Sometimes in life, it's easier to show up on a Sunday morning with my oversized blazer looking like I've already dealt with my trust, with my disbelief. But it's quite the opposite with with God. He's like, come, come with your guilt, come with your shame, come with whatever it is that you are carrying. And I want you in that to embrace this love that I have for you. So Thomas comes in with his doubt, which is what I admire so much about him. He comes with his disbelief, and it left Thomas in surrender. And it became personal after that. That's why in verse 28, we, you know, he says, my Lord and my God. And so I wonder what, would it, what is happening inside of you? What's happening inside of me that we've gone through, or maybe are currently going through right now, that we could relate to doubting Thomas. I'm doubting Ruth. I, I'm, I'm like doubting Thomas. I'm doubting Ruth. I'm, you know, fill in the blank. I shared earlier that in and through I'm a daddy's little girl. I'm a pastor's kid. Um, I'm the youngest of three. My siblings uh, have an older brother, older sister, 15 years and 10 years older than me. So I truly was the baby in the family. Like imagine you have one set of parents, but then you have another second parents. All eyes on you, always. But my dad and I were really close. We, I watched him um, preach every Sunday. I would go with him to his office in the middle of the week, watch him prep messages. He had a beautiful voice, so he'd write worship songs, and, and he would uh, lead them on Sundays as well. He, um, he and my mom have been just pillars of faith for me. They're like what I like wanted to embody growing up. And I looked up to them. I, I, I still do. However, faith and trust and surrendering, you know, that entire package that comes with God and just in life in general, putting your faith in something, putting your trust in something, that didn't really become real for me up until I was 10 years old. You see, when I was 10, um, my life just flipped upside down. I lost my dad to colon cancer. It was sudden and three short months, he was gone. And although he was a man of faith, I knew where um, he would be spending attorneys in, in Jesus' presence and all of that. All that was so good. And even that summer, I went to kids' camp and I encountered um, the word of God for, in a really personal and tangible way. And I gave my heart. Like, I did all of that and it was so good. But what I realized as I was growing up was that I was in a disconnect when it came to people. Because if you can imagine, when, you, when you've experienced, I'm sure all of us here have experienced loss in a certain type of a way. Mine was in this way, of a loss of a parent. But it really felt like someone literally maybe showed up out of nowhere and pulled the rug from underneath my feet. Do you know that feeling? When you're standing firm on something, 
For me, it was my dad, the patriarch of our family, the pastor of our church growing up, you know, like all eyes on the pastor's family, right? And then all of a sudden, I don't know where, death came, literally, and just pulled the rug from underneath my feet, leaving me completely unsettled. And so growing up, even though I walked what I thought was closely with God, there was always this disconnect because there was this fear of when is it going to happen again? So what did I do? To protect myself, this is pretty legit. I mean, I won't suggest this to anyone because it didn't work out for a long time. But what I did was I just kept people at a distance. Anytime it felt like someone was really trying to cave in and get to know me, immediately my brain would be like, oh, Ruth, alert, alert, you may lose that person, so step back. And so behind closed doors, I was pulling the rug from underneath my own feet. I was self-sabotaging. And maybe you can relate to that in your own story. That underneath it all, I was just scared to let people in because of this thing that was within me, this pain, this loss that I experienced at a young age. I never got to really deal with it, with God, but also with others, with others that I could trust in my church community. And so after a very long time of coming to terms with the fact that this isn't going to go great for me in the long run, how am I going to build deep, genuine friendships, deep, genuine relationships, even with my mother and with my siblings and um, just close friends? I needed to do something about it. And so my greatest fear was to let people in and to do something about the isolation, to let God in. And through him, God just does what he does, and he placed people in my life that I would have never thought in a million years that I would become friends with. Safe people that didn't see me as a little self-sabotager or judge me for my story or judge me for the fact that I just wanted to run away. Anytime vulnerability came into the conversation, anytime trust came in the conversation, I've just, I'm out. I'm already out through the side door. But they extended an invitation for me to fully process my past pain. Thomas was extended an invitation from Jesus to come and process his pain. Imagine that seven days before, he was like, I'm never believing in, I'm never believing. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Went home. He cooled down for a bit. So usually if you have kids, maybe you know what that is. I don't have kids. I'm just guessing that's probably what you do. Like, you know, you put them on timeout for a little bit. And then they come back like, oh, you're right, mom. Oh, you're right, dad. So Thomas did that for seven days, and then Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to show up. And he shows up, and he's like, come through. Come and see my hands. Come and touch my wounds. I, I did this. I really did this. And it became personal for Thomas. There's this invitation for us. In Psalm 37, 5, the psalmist writes, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. So as I mentioned, I'm from L.A., so I wasn't really around people that were super, like, I don't know how to describe it, like, not a lot of engineers in L.A. So when I moved out here, I, I began to realize that, whoa, like, people here are way more practical than I, like, grew up in. Like, I grew up saying like and, like, wait, what? Like, all the time, you know? I'm a valley girl, so don't, don't let the dark carriage, uh, you know, deceive you. But what I love so much about Psalm 37.5 is that this kind of gives us a practical sense of what it's like to trust and surrender to God. Commit your way to the Lord, okay? Trust in him, and he will act. That's the invitation. So it's not like the, um, that toxic cycle of mistrust that we've experienced with others who are broken and sinful 
and fall short, just like you and I. But with God, it's different. The promise is that he will act as long as you and I take that invitation on, receive it, and draw near to Jesus, draw near to God. I'm going to invite the worship band to come back up, and we'll respond in a moment here. But if you're sitting here and you're like, Ruth, this is great. This all sounds good on a Sunday morning, but what about tomorrow when I go back into the workplace? What about tomorrow when I got to go pick up the kids from school or when I have to face my spouse and have that tough conversation? What about then? I know it sounds good, but what about when reality kicks in after the Lakers game happens? Well, I want to say this, that the trust in God, it's a form of relationship. You know, when we stand here and we sing together as a church family, I mean, I'm only a guest, but I've already, I, the moment I stepped in, I just sensed it, like meeting Priscilla and the worship band, just like people that are just so kind, like trusting God is a form of worship. Surrendering to him is one thing, but surrendering again and again, letting him in, Letting God in enables us to see that he is there, that to see that he is here with you, extending this invitation again and again. When you and I fall short, when you and I just pull the rug from underneath our feet, when someone else does wrong unto us, Jesus is there. Then come and see. Come and see that I'm here in your presence. It, in, you're in my presence. And there is peace here. Thomas needed to literally see the wounds of Jesus in order to believe again. What I love so much is Jesus' response to Thomas as his belief, as his faith in Jesus was renewed in that moment. Think of this, if you can picture it. I'm a visual person, so I like to picture things, especially when I'm reading scripture. That 2,000 years ago, as Jesus was ministering to Thomas, he's actually thinking about you and I. Like, actually. Did you catch that in the scripture? When Thomas answers, my Lord and my God, that personal moment for Thomas to believe again, Jesus says to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Guys, that's like you and me, you and I. That's the invitation of God. That when we're sitting in our disbelief, that when we're sitting in our struggles, things that maybe no one in this room, maybe no one in your family knows what you're going through, Jesus thought about you then, is thinking about you now, and wants to continue to be with you and think of you and remind you that he is for you. What an encouragement that is for us. So I wanna ask, what is it that you need? Whether you're sitting here and you're like, I just don't know if I can trust him again. Ruth, you don't know what I've been through. I don't, but he knows. Maybe you're sitting here and, and you're new. Maybe you showed up and it was your first time last week at Easter service and I just wanna thank you so much for being here. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm just a guest speaker. So Jay will be up here next week and it'll be great. And if you're new here and, and, and this all kind of sounds new to you, the invitation is for you as well. I needed a group of other Christ followers that were 
deeper in their relationship with God, a bit more far along to guide me, to not see me as the little girl that was scared, didn't judge me, but walked alongside me. And maybe that's you. And if that is you, there are life groups, there are small groups here, people that are waiting with you to receive this invitation from God so then for them to walk alongside you, to stand firm on the rug of your life with you. Or again, maybe you're here and time and time again as the conversation of trusting God and surrendering to him, every time that conversation comes up, you've brushed it to the side. You've said, next Sunday, next Sunday, next time, tomorrow, I'll figure it out later in life. There's a time now for you to just be honest with God, to name and identify that struggle in your life, maybe to name and identify that past uh, relationship that just keeps creeping up and reminding you of the pain and hurt that it left you in. If that is you, you are not alone. God is here, his presence is here. And he is extending his hand of love to display for you. So I encourage you to spend some time in that tension. It's painful, but allow God's love and care for you to overflow within you as you receive the love that he has. C.S. Lewis writes this, and I don't have it up there, but just listen to these words, and I pray that it's an encouragement. He writes this. To have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. So if you've really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying it in a new way, a less worried way. Not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already, not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already inside you. Heaven on earth, in and through us. The reason why there, this isn't just a cycle that we're gonna get caught up in again, like maybe a toxic relationship, it's because this invitation to trust and surrender holds true to all that God promises us. Excuse me. God is redeeming us from our past pains, even from the hurt that maybe you and I have caused others. And so my hope and prayer is that we may open our hearts to God's promise and his invitation to see him act on your behalf, to see him act on my behalf. You and I are in the Father's presence right now. He is here. And Jesus is calling you and I by name to draw near. And so my prayer is that we would allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to comfort us as we respond to God's invitation today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives as we journey with Jesus. So doubting Thomas, I, I admire him because he did something about his trust issues. And so what are you and I gonna respond in today? Would you stand up to your feet? I'm gonna pray and we'll respond in worship together. Heavenly Father, 
we thank you so much for loving us, loving us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins, to display a love that is uncomparable, but still reachable, so tangible for us, God. Jesus, I thank you for thinking of us forever, forever ago, it feels like forever ago, 2,000 years ago, for thinking of us as you were ministering to Thomas, Jesus, you thought of us. You count us as blessed. So my prayer is that we would feel the warmth of your love, to feel the warmth of your comfort, to experience, to be transformed by the healing power of your love, God. May it be so. Lord, I pray for my friends who are here today, the stories that they are carrying, the stories that you are writing, Lord. May we trust and surrender and do it again so that we can see you act on our behalf. Let it be so, heaven on earth, heaven in our hearts, heaven in our lives. May we give you glory, may we give you praise, may we commit to you, Jesus, even when it's tough. We love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray.